Sunset family, what is going on? It is good to see you this morning. I thought it would be cool for us to jump into uh, 1 Peter. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. That is where we'll be hanging out this morning. One of the things that I, I think is cool is that it's March. March, uh, first of all, how are we in March? I don't know. But I, I like March for a couple reasons, all right? Number one, it's March Madness. Are you with me? No. Okay, I, I got one no. It's all right. It's all right. You know, my bracket is broken too. My bracket is broken. No, in all seriousness, I love March Madness. But most importantly, I love March. I love this time of year because of Easter. Because of Easter, there's much that we get. Because of Jesus, we get some identity as people who have trusted and love him. We receive some identity. And I thought it'd be fun for us as Easter approaches for us to walk through some of those names, some of those things we possess as Jesus followers. And we find those things in 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to start in verse 9. Let's get after it. Here we go. It says in verse 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Peter's talking to an audience here. His viewers, per se, are Christian Gentiles. This is understood for some references we see throughout the book. Uh, some of those references are former ignorance, futile ways from forefathers, or in verse, or excuse me, in chapter four, we see that there's a former lifestyle these readers had, which doesn't fit the profile of a Jew. So this is written to Christian Gentiles. A theme that we see kind of run through the book is that is this: um, those who persevere in faith. While suffering, persecution should be full of hope. Maybe we can read verse 9 this way. Be full of hope. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So how did this happen? How does a person from, with ignorance or futile ways get right with God become these identities. Well, we see it in chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. If you just jump back there with me in First Peter, real quick, we'll read it. It says this in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Easter. He's been given us a living hope and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly Rejoice! We greatly rejoice that in God's great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Not a dead hope, a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in Jesus we are a chosen people. 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. My son Parker, he's starting to gather some identity. He's going to be three in April. These are some of the things I'm hearing from him. One, we play a game where I say, oh, mommy, look, I found a baby, and I cradle him like a baby. Parker, first thing he says is, nah, I'm a big boy. We also wrestle. We have a wrestle room at our house. It's called the wrestle room. I am the undertaker, obviously. Okay? Parker, I thought, was Parker the python. Because, you know, you just squeeze the life out of him, right? Parker, the other day, goes, no, Dad, I'm Russell Wilson. He's a little confused. <laughs> I've also asked Parker, Parker, who's my favorite two-year-old? He says, Parker. Being a bit older, though, in comparison to my son, you, this crowd here, some of our identities most likely have been more established. For instance, any musicians in the house? Okay, a few of you. Moms, any mothers in the house? Okay, coaches, employees. All right. Sure, these can be true of us, but they are not most important. In this text, we see some primary identity for those who trust and love Jesus. These identities are true of us individually, but they're also true of us corporately as a community. For instance, I'm an American. That's true. But what's more true is that I belong to God's kingdom. If you're a Christ follower, then God is speaking to you here in 1 Peter. He's saying you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a person of his own possession, a holy nation. In Jesus, we've received some serious good treatment. Something that is important to note is that these identities give us particular position, okay, and function. I guess a way to describe this is if we trust and love Jesus, we trust and love him as Savior and Lord. As Savior, right, we've moved from rebel to God's son, that's a positional move, right? But that also affects our function, right? If you, are, if you were once a rebel and now you're a child of God, the way you live, the way it works itself out in your life changes, right? So as we work through these identities, please take note. There's some positional change and some functional change. Because of Jesus, you are a chosen people. Christian, God has chosen to save you. Through Jesus' death, you have been set apart. God wanted you. When I think of this concept of being chosen, I picture the schoolyard pick. I don't know what your game was in grade school, but I played some serious kickball on the field. You guys know the scenario, right? Everybody gets on the fence. There's two captains. And the scene starts to develop. It's a little bit actually 
crazy, right? Because you guys know how it goes. Captains to kind of find the most talented. And then they work their way down, right? This particular scene is, it's rough. Seriously, as I think about it, I'm like, that is rough. Because you guys know how it works itself out. One, being picked last stinks. Or worse, not getting picked at all because there's an odd number of people standing there. Or to make even matters worse, friends, you're, you're viewed as so bad that they allow you to be on the team as an extra person because nobody thinks it'll make a difference. No, serious, this is grade school, man. It's rough in the streets. Here's the thing, though. Using this analogy, God as team captain has chosen to offer grace to all. He calls everyone on the fence over. Everybody. Frankly, none of us can take our kickball resume and go to God and say, hey, check it out. You want me on your team. I deserve to be on your team. We stink. All of humanity, because of our sin, are the worst players. None of us have measured up. None. It is through Jesus you can be on God's team. He chose to do what it takes to rescue you. This reminds me of Genesis 12, where God calls Abram. You don't have to turn there. Just look up on the screen. It says this in Genesis 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went. That's important. He went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. God was calling Abram from a place of curse to blessing. Abram answered that call. God's grace and Abram's faith brought him into God's family. He could have rejected God. This is a theme we see in 1 Peter. Let's go. Chapter 2, verses 4 through 8, it says this, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like holy priesthood, are offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message. There's a ton here in these four verses. For the sake of time, though, simply some have rejected Jesus. They've rejected the call. 
If you've said yes to Jesus, then you've answered the call. Through faith, you've received God's grace, and as a result, you are a chosen people. What's the next descriptor we see in this text? Because of Jesus, you are a royal priesthood. Here, Peter reaches back towards Old Testament imagery. Look at Exodus 19. It's up here on the screen. It says, Now, if you obey me fully, this is God talking to Israel. If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. God, from the beginning from the beginning wanted all of Israel, all of the people, to be a kingdom of people who represent him to the world. Under the new covenant in Jesus, we are to function this way. We see this theme picked up in the New Testament. In Romans, Paul is evangelizing, and he refers to this as his priestly duties. Look at chapter 15, verse 16. It's up on the screen. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul acts as a mediator between God and the Gentiles. He shares the gospel. He shares about Jesus He brings the good news and points to Jesus, to the Gentiles. As a royal priesthood, functionally, we, as a community and as individuals, work as mediators who are on mission, joining God as he reconciles the world to himself. We share the gospel. And we pray that our kids would come to know Jesus. We pray that our neighbors would come to know Jesus. We pray that our employees, some of us who are bosses. We pray that those who are around us would know and trust and love Jesus. It's our priestly duty. Because of Jesus, we are also a holy nation. Just as God is God, holy is God. This characteristic no other being has. Here's the cool part, though. Through Jesus, God's holiness has washed out on his nation. Throughout the scriptures, we see this work out in in a couple different ways, okay? Positionally, okay, by grace, through through faith, we belong to God. We are holy because God is holy. We have been set aside by God, and we are reserved exclusively for God and his work. In turn, we are holy. We genuinely are holy. Here's the thing, though, friends. All of us know that we sin, and we sin often. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, behaviorally, okay, If we are his by definition, this identity is being worked out in our lives. As a holy nation, we are in process of growing in holiness now, even though genuinely God sees us as holy. 
because we're his. But we all know that this is a process that's being worked out in our lives. We are a people who are becoming more holy. As we cling to Jesus by the power of the Spirit, we are becoming more like Jesus, more holy. I have all sorts of desires, but in my soul, my deepest yearning is to live as Jesus intends. And over time, through the power of the Spirit, we are made more and more into Jesus' image. Keep following Jesus, and you'll find yourself thinking, feeling, and living more like him. Growing in holiness in this life is a lifelong pursuit. None of us get this figured out in just a moment. This last identity that we see here in the text is that because of Jesus, we are his possession. Again, this idea is steeped in Exodus 19. I want to put it on the screen again. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Listen here. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Here we see that all is God's. Everything. All of it is God's. He possesses it all. All of creation is his. This includes different ethnicities, people groups, nations, frankly, universes. All is his. Out of all of it, though, those who have trusted in Jesus are his special possession. I love this quote by Donald Miller. It says this, Everybody wants to find somebody willing to die for them. Very few people do, but everybody has someone who did. Jesus died for you. He died in your place so that you won't experience the wrath of God but instead enjoy, emphasis on enjoy his presence. Look at 1 Peter 2, verse 10. It says this, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, we were once rebels, but now in Jesus, we are God's special possession. Getting to, getting to enjoy God's presence instead of his wrath. This should leave us in awe, wanting more of God. The other thing I notice in verse 9, the second part of verse 9, if you look back there with me, it says this, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This week, this morning, are you talking about Jesus? Are you declaring the praises of what he's done? What he's doing in your world? Do people know about him? Are you declaring the praises? Here at Sunset, God is up to a lot of things. A ton of things. 
I want to share a few of them with you. One, I know a guy here who oversees several employees. I was talking with him the other day. He said, man, I feel really compelled to help our employees love people better because we're in a customer service business. So Kenny, I'm going to take him through a Christian book. And so Kenny, I need like 12 copies of Love Does by Bob Goff. Because I'm going to take him through the book and I can't wait to see Jesus come up in the conversation. I'm like, what? This is amazing. You're telling me people are going to come to your house and read this book with you? He's like, yeah, isn't that cool? Yes. Priestly duties? It's working itself out in this guy's life. Praise God. Praise God that he's given him that heart. We had a gal walk in here a couple weeks ago. I think maybe a month or so, but she's been lied to about God. She's been in a religion who's been telling her the wrong thing about God. So she's come to sunset, and she hears what we're teaching in the scriptures, and she goes, that's God. And she has made, and she's made a decision that this is my God. A couple of things she's told me that I've heard from her. When I went to other churches and I told them that I was from this religion, that I came out of this, they didn't know how to respond. I've come to sunset and felt extremely loved. That's you. Praise God. Here's another cool thing. She just emailed me. She goes, how do I get into a sunset community? So cool. So cool. This gal's life is changing and God is doing the work. She's being diligent though. It's so cool. She's continuing to show up and she's saying, I want more of Jesus. I want more of the truth. Are we declaring the praises of God? We declaring praises of God. Let's continue reading. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, it says this. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war, wage war against your soul. As people who've become a part of God's family, people who belong to God, we should, with a sense of urgency, urgency, friends, refrain from sin and realize we are at war. The devil wants to mess us up. He wants you to doubt. He wants you to forget God's promises. He wants, you, he wants to tell you that there's things here in this world that are better than Jesus and much more. Friends, we're at war. Please align yourself 
with Jesus. That's why I think here in chapter 2, in the front part of it, look at verse 2. It says this, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Know that you have tasted that the, or excuse me, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. We should be longing for Jesus. We should be drawing near to him, remembering all the identities we are because of him. This causes us to grow in our relationship with him. This causes us to keep our eyes on him rather than distracted by the sin that so easily, it easily entangles. Please draw near to him. Let's move to the last verse here in verse 12. It says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Not only should we have a sense of urgency to abstain from sin, but we should have a sense of, we should have a sense of urgency to live like Jesus, to be more like him, to ask the Spirit to empower us to be the children of God. At the end of verse 12, though, it states that God would be glorified on the day of visitation. Biblical scholars argue um, that this day of visitation could mean the day when Jesus returns, or it could be the day when Jesus draws a non-believer to himself. For the sake of discussion, no matter which is correct, we should conduct ourselves in a way that brings fame to God, that brings glory to him. My prayer is that God would continue to grow our faith in him so that as we do life, we naturally bring him honor. We naturally bring him honor. If you know Jesus, you have been given some seriously good treatment. I pray that your faith causes you to fall more in love with Jesus. To remember who you are in him your identity. Proclaim his praises. Share the gospel. What has God done in your life? What is he doing today? This, like, Sunday morning. What has God done? What is he doing? And then four, fight against sin. This morning, this is where I want to leave us. I want to leave us with a question. Which identity do you most struggle with? I don't know. Maybe you got father issues. Maybe your, maybe your dad was a lame dad. Maybe you grew up in a home where your father wasn't very loving. So it's hard to understand and know God chose to rescue you. You are his special possession. Maybe you need to grow in this. Maybe you have fear when it comes to serving God. Maybe, ah, I don't, I don't got what it takes, Kenny. Following him into certain places of your life is it's too scary. Or maybe you've attempted to just Ignore your priestly duties. 
holy nation. Maybe you're at a crossroads today. You could see your identity as a holy nation work out and pursue holiness, or you could dabble in sin. Maybe, maybe this morning you are at a crossroads. You, you know, okay, if I go here, man, I'm not following Jesus. Or I can, I, I can draw near to him and pursue holiness. Which identity are you most struggling with as we approach Easter and here's the good news, friends. The good news is this. This morning, there's grace for you. I want to give us space to come to God and ask him for help. If you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have received identity. But man, if you're, if you're like, Kenny, I, I need to grow in this. Welcome to the club. Now, for all of us, though, this may look different. But there's grace for you this morning. I think I'd do us a disfavor if I just, you know, ask Brandon to move right into worship. I think that we should all take a second and evaluate, God, man, am I really believing these things about myself? Am I, do I really believe these identities about myself? And if not, then I just, I just pray that we call on God and ask for help. And that by faith then, we begin to see these things work out in our lives. That we trust Him, not just with our mouth, but also with our action. I truly want us, it's so heavy on my heart, that we would be, know that this is who you are. This is who you are. Ask God in the next few minutes, ask God to reveal to you, man, which one of these is the hardest? If you know something, if something comes, if simply ask God. Ask God for help. In a few minutes, Brandon's gonna lead us in some more worship. And at that time, I... Feel free to stand up, sit, but feel free to join him in song. But right now, let's take a few minutes to ask God where you're at in these identities.